not pillows under your butts, I guess. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Well, here we are. <laughs> here we it's an inauspicious start when we hadn't even started yet. Yeah, so. I think you need to scoot in a little bit or, or, or refrain from doing this. Yeah, don't do, don't do those. <laughs> Sometimes things... Some people talk with their hands. Some people talk with their head. <laughs> yes, there, I have numerous texts that occasionally come in. I feel like we're not somewhere supposedly, we're supposed to be. But... Supposedly off will keep the ticks away, but... Oh, they're bad this year. It has not helped. They are bad. I had to take off my dog's flea and tick collar because it was giving her a rash. Well, that's so, no good. Yeah. So now she'll probably get a tick. Yeah. Anyway. She's an indoor dog though, right? So she's, Yes. She should be relatively Well, she safe. had surgery and they had, this is irrelevant. They had to shave a little bit of her <laughs> well, neck. Well, that's different. <laughs> they had to shave a little bit of her neck, I guess, to do like a blood draw or something. Right. And she's not messing with the leg at all that she had surgery, but she has scratched her neck bloody and raw. Well, And so I great. got this ointment for her, so but it ain't doing Dogs that. and children pretty much... The same when it comes to... She might to end up needing the cone reason. of shame, so we'll see. Well. How are you? I am just so here. That's a start. <laughs> That's probably more hey, than today, I am. Today is a better day. Yesterday, I was just not struggling here. with a uh, sinus headache, and you're right. I was not here, and I think if, if I had been here podcasting with you, just everything would have been better. Uh, better than the I can't sinus headache day, and, uh, <laughs> and nausea that comes with the sinus headache and the multiple medications going with it. I would but, say blame summer, but yeah, it got better. You know, I got you know, there are so many people going through so many other things that I just you know feel like a whiner saying it. So I said to myself, "Don't be a whiner. Suck it up. Move on." Myself, we had a new calf yesterday at the farm. Oh, so I didn't know that. Second, uh, second in a couple of days. You know, later than what we want them. And uh, of course, this was. Why is it later than what you want them? We really want them earlier in the spring so that uh, they're following a similar cycle with the rest of them. But oh, I see. But because we use a live bull and rather instead of uh, artificial. artificial, it's um, less predictable unless we remove the bull from the pasture and i'm not set up to do that currently so welcome to grazing something real grazing saddles yeah grazing saddles <laughs> we are harbor harbor country grazers here so uh but we are not here to talk about cattle we are instead we you, about do, you, do you remember why we're here to talk <laughs> are you, we are we you, talking you about remember something? we're talking about lambs yes. i remember why are we talking about lambs what does that have to do with it? <laughs> I'm setting it up for are you. you genuinely here, so. asking? No, I'm not good with setups. I get socially <laughs> awkward. <laughs> really? You know this about me. Socially awkward. I'm on sweating. the podcast. Oh. So, well, that's because we don't have the air conditioning on. But. And there's a light on us. All these things. Although it's a kind of Listen, a cool light. Listen, it but. was my excuse. So <laughs> let take what we get. Let me have it. It has nothing to do with these social awkwardness. No, that's just internal. Okay, internal sweating. So anyway, as we are, this podcast gets weirder every <laughs> day. We I wouldn't over? even be listening should if I was start here. Over? Internal sweating sounds like a bad '80s band. Anyway, Ooh, I, I like it. <laughs> Hello, Cleveland. Oh golly. Sheesh. We're here to talk about lambs, or more specifically, the purpose of the lamb. In the Passover. The perfect and so lamb. as we are uh, looking at Numbers 9, which has nothing to do with anything else that we've talked about so far today. Come on, I'm sure you can connect here. it somehow. Uh, 
<laughs> you're, you're good at that. I'm not sure <laughs> there is a connection. But anyway, as we're going through this, we uh, are in the first part of Numbers 9, and we've been um, working through the book of Numbers. And at this particular junction, as the preparation uh, for uh, the people of Israel to leave um, their their encampment at the foot of Sinai, uh, they're in the in the desert of Sinai, and they're about to embark uh, on on the final leg of the journey and enter the. Um, it, I mean, it's it's a relatively short journey from where they were in mm-hmm. Egypt through the Red Sea and, and to Sinai. Now here they are. They're they're about to take a, a another what should be a short journey, but it won't be uh, to uh, to the land of Canaan where they came from before going to Egypt into slavery. They have prepared everything that God's given them to prepare. The tabernacle is ready. The the priests have been anointed. That doesn't take place in numbers. That It's chronologically collocated, but it we see it recorded back in Leviticus. So as we <clears throat> now have the, the Levites presented, consecrated, the... Uh, the 12 tribes have been arranged and organized, uh, prepared um, through through the, the census to be able to uh, have an order for war and an order for worship. God has set them up. Now, as they're getting ready to embark, God commands them to again take the Passover, which is, it's not a new command. It's the same thing that he had given them before, that they were to, to do this as a lasting uh ceremony of remembrance. So back in Exodus 12, we see this established as God delivers them uh, with the death of the firstborn in Egypt and, and um, the obedient Israelites in um, trusting God and painting the blood of the Passover sacrificial lamb over the doorpost. Uh, death passes them over. They're to commemorate this year after year throughout the generations. And now this is the second time that they ever do this. God tells them to do it. And and really the point that we really want to kind of wrestle with is why? Why is this Mm -hmm. here? We already know that, you know, every time we see these things that are repeated in the the overall narrative, we need to ask ourselves why. What's surprising about this? What would be left out if, if God did not inspire the author to place this here in the way that he does? What, what will we be missing? Because we already have the instructions for Passover in greater detail in Exodus. We see it uh, referred to in Leviticus. We'll um, we'll see it again uh, in Deuteronomy, I believe. But we'll see Passover throughout the scriptures. So it's not like we need this mm-hmm. to learn about Passover. But what we do need is to understand what was Moses saying to his people. Why why did God want uh, the people of Israel to have it recorded in this way, in this place. And as the preparation has now essentially come to an end, chapter 10, they'll start moving out. Or at the second part of chapter 9, they're they're going to um, begin this as, as God um, manifests this cloud. We've already seen reference to it, but this cloud's going to, going to settle over the tabernacle. Uh, as the cloud moves, uh, the people of Israel will move. They will, that God will lead them through this cloud, which appears as a pillar of fire by night. <clears throat> Before this all happens, God says, last thing I want you to do, take the Passover. Just as they were doing in Egypt, before they left, they took the Passover. Now they're taking this Passover again. Why? And that's kind of the, the key as we're looking to understand this. What is it that, that we need to get from it? Just to actually you know, look at the 
um, the text itself. This is Numbers, uh, Numbers 9, verses 1 to 14. And we see this transition from, uh, from the setting apart of the Levites in 8 to what's taking place now. Verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses in the desert of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they came, <clears throat> after they came out of Egypt. He said, Have the Israelites celebrate the Passover at the appointed time, celebrated at the appointed time at twilight on the 14th day of this month, in accordance with all of its rules and regulations. Then, he, uh, then we have this, uh, this group of people that uh, was unable to take the Passover because, as we had already seen earlier in Exodus, you can't be defiled uh, by a dead body and approach God. You have to be outside the camp and go through this cleansing. So they can't participate. And they're like, what are we supposed to do? We, you know, we want to worship God in this way, but we can't because we're defiled. So Moses, uh, as a good um, Christian leader, a godly leader would do, says, let me, let me see what God says. Uh, that's a pretty good note for us as, as pastors and as uh, leaders in the church, really for any of us, when we have questions about what we ought to be doing. Apparently our chairs are crooked because I'm, I, I keep getting out of the frame here. Uh, so I'm going to scoot closer. Um, but as we're late, that's what you get for linking us. Right. What, well, it's because you're sitting way on that side and I'm sitting way on this side. Otherwise our chairs would be sitting way on the other side. True. Uh, so anyway, as we're as we're dealing with questions of wisdom as Christian leaders, we need to take the same approach that Moses did. What does God say? So let's go to the Word. Let's let's pray. Let's study, and let's determine what it is that God says, not human wisdom, because that's never going to get us anywhere good. So He does. God says, "Hey, uh, here's what here's what I need you to do. You're still going to take the Passover, but you're going to do it a month later." And it's important that he points out because they're they're like, well, why should we not take the Passover? Right. Well, because the rules, the regulations say you must be ceremonially clean and you are not. So what God does in making provision for them is not remove the rules. He doesn't say that the standard changed, but he makes a provision for them to, to participate according to the regulation. So you are to do this a month later. Make sure that you do follow all of the rules and regulations, but... Uh, in God's grace, he says, instead of taking it on this day of the first month, you do it of the second month. But he points out very clearly, if you don't do this, or if you just don't take the, the Passover because you're negligent. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is for those who, who um, out of necessity are unclean and have to get that dealt with. Uh, let's say your parents died, you're doing their funeral, and now, you know, what am I going to do? I'm stuck. Or they're away on a journey and can't get back uh, to celebrate with their people. Now, you follow the same regulations. All of the same holiness rules apply, but do it later. Mm -hmm. So God, in his provision, does not abandon his holy standard, but he does make a way. Very much the way he does in the gospel. We have people today who are all the time trying to push this universalism that, well, Jesus died, therefore nobody goes to hell. Or a loving God because he loves everybody, nobody goes to hell. It's all good. All bets are off. Everybody gets a pass. There are no rules. There are no rules. <clears throat> and God says... Uh, put your shirt back on. <laughs> there are rules. God says put your shirt put back your on. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> all right. So let's get let's tweet that out. God says put, put your, your shirt, shirt back on. So great, great quotes from Stacey. So as we're, um, as we're seeing this play out, there is a desire for them because they want to acknowledge God. They want to worship him. 
God makes provision, but he doesn't in that provision become unholy or allow them to be unholy. Mm -hmm. His standard is always upheld. The gospel is the same way. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we cannot live and took the punishment that we deserve so that the provision is made, but God remains just. Sin still gets punished, uh, and yet God is gracious. So he is still just and also the justifier of those who believe. So this happens. They they you know get the answer from God. And he also says, which is kind of interesting, and we really didn't talk about uh, on Sunday, but it's interesting that he says those, if you have a foreigner living among you who wants to participate in this, they have to follow all the rules and regulations. Well, interestingly, this, this, this is referring to like resident aliens, those who have aligned themselves, not foreigners who don't honor God, who don't worship God. Right. Because previously when he's talking about the Passover, he specifically says no foreigner may eat of this. This is not for those who are outside of the nation. It's specifically the the purpose here, very much like when God says not to intermarry with other women, with other nations, so you don't go out and, and find these uh, these pagan countries and you marry their women. That the idea behind that was not an ethnic purity, as some have tried to to push falsely and and with with very very ill effect. It had nothing to do with racism, had nothing to do with ethnism or xenophobia or whatever you want to call it uh, in our modern parlance. Um, but what it had everything to do with was, were you part of God's people or not? Did you belong to God? So all, people of all nations, Gentiles, could always come to Israel and turn to God. They could repent, but they would have to then become proselytes, go through this, uh, this process of, uh, of turning their back on all that was their past, mm. renouncing their past, renouncing foreign gods, renouncing their families and their culture, and then come into Israel and and become essentially, you could, you could call it naturalized citizens in a sense, but they're converts. So clearly here, as he's referring to this, it's those who are in the nation who have they've come, they're, they're staying with you. Uh, for example, Moses' uh, brother-in-law, who's referred to in the next part of this chapter, uh, his brother-in-law, who's not um, one of the children of Israel, who has been living among them, helping them, and Moses asks him to stay and says, hey, if you know, I'm getting ahead, this is for you know, two weeks from now in the next uh, part of the chapter. Um, this is whatever good God does to us, we'll do to you, and you'll be a part of this. So there's a uh, there's always a picture among God's people that those who want to follow God, who want to honor God, will be welcomed, but on God's terms, not on yours. Mm -hmm. So anyway, with all of this Passover stuff, this is going to be really important to them to look back to what God has done in order to have their faith strengthened uh, as they're going forward for what God's going to do. And they're going to come into this promised land. And, and the same one who delivered them out of Egypt is the one who promised to deliver them to the land of, of inheritance, that they would come, they, they're going to run into these battles. God will fight their battles for them. He's going to live in the midst of them. Uh, and he's always delivered. Up until this point, uh, as we're going into the next uh, you know chapter and a half here, uh, until we get to chapter 11, all the rest of this, we see over and over again, they did just as the Lord commanded Moses. 
and it's repeated and it's emphasized. They did just as the Lord commanded Moses. In all of these things, their obedience is shown because it hasn't gotten hard yet. Mm-hmm. Once they get on the journey and, and they have no food, no water, and God provides food for them, but then they start to grumble about it. It's, it's getting tough, you know, and, and it's only three days out when they start grumbling. I'm, I'm preaching another week's sermon here, but as like, really? I mean, right. three days? And after everything that you've been through and seen and experienced right. and whatever. But your mom pointed out to me the other day, well, three days without food and water is kind right. of tough. You know, you're a you know there's, there's a little bit the of struggle. Desert. So, you know, the, it's inconvenient. Life is hard. But what a, what a short memory. It's only been a year since you were building bricks for Pharaoh. You know, you're, you're out there, uh, you know, struggling and living and dying while you're building Pharaoh's cities. And now all of that goes out the window. And, you know, by the time you get to chapters 13 and 14, they're like, we just want to go back to Egypt. We had it so much better there when we were, you know, we had all this great food. They didn't have great food. You know, they they were slaves. Grass is always greener, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So in that case, the onions and leeks were greener for them. But as they're as they're going through this, they're going to need to remember who God is. Mm. And to, so to, to understand that he is their way maker, he is the, the one who makes and keeps promises. He is the one who delivers them from all their enemies. Uh, and, and this will be the theme of so many of the Psalms, especially after when they return from exile in Babylon later on, you know, hundreds of years down the road, um, they, they will find themselves going back to this mm. and the Psalms will recall, we read from Psalm 77 on Sunday, you know, I'll uh, recall the mighty deeds of the Lord and Psalm 78 kind of walks through this. Here's what God did. He did this and he did this, and this is how he was faithful to his people. And the way for us today to strengthen our faith is exactly the same way as it was for them back then. We need to be able to to look back on what God has already done as evidence for why we can trust him going forward. And that's not, I mean, that's not really an unusual concept. We can see that with everybody. The, your past behavior is the best predictor of your future behavior. Sure. You know, that doesn't have to always be that way. You see bad behaviors, people can repent and change. But if I, if I have lied to you every time we've talked, my natural inclination is going to be, or if you've lied to me every time we've talked, my natural inclination is going to be to assume right. that if your lips are moving, <laughs> you're lying, right? But if you've never lied to me before, if, if if everything in our past is that you have always been straight with me and we've always had a, an open and honest relationship, well, then I just saw this on the rifleman, by the way, which is where you find really good lessons is on the rifleman. But if that's the case, then when somebody accuses you of lying, my natural inclination is going to be to trust you because you have always been trustworthy. Right. And so the demonstration of that, the proof of that is the evidence that I need to be able to have faith in what I don't see. I don't know the facts, but I'm going to trust our history together. And that's the same thing that that the, these sacred ceremonies do. It's not so much looking back on our on on what has happened as if we're tied to the past, Mm -hmm. but it is looking up to the Lord to see who he is. And so as we look back at the past, we're not stuck there. Rather, that's the foundation. That's the stepping stone for where we're going next. How do we have a strong faith foundation today? I remember what God has done. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And, and there are, are later times in the prophets when he'll say, don't think of the former days. Don't, right. you know, remember the former days as as if that's where we should be. Boy, back in the good old days, what if it were like it used to be in 1958 or 1985 or 1992 or whatever your particular good old days might be? They weren't as good as you remember them. And and the present moment isn't as bad as your imagination calls it. And the future full of all these what ifs is not as bad as you dream it up to be. But God is always faithful. And I say it's not as bad. The reality is probably everything is worse. The, the old days were worse than what you remember. There are a lot of great things in the time of, let's say, Mayberry. You know, you, you look at what, you know, the, the beautiful Andy Griffith, Dick Van Dyke, era when things were black and white and everybody got along, which just mm -hmm. made me think of uh, WandaVision on Disney Plus. But anyway, um, I haven't seen it. but the reality is we had terrible, terrible racism, well, Jim Crow laws. Right. And I was watching, you know, people even talk about like, I, I don't know, there was some documentary on the 70s mm -hmm. and all these like famous- Great time. Horrible time. But all these famous like- well-known now serial killers were all around in the 70s right. like these infamous serial killers that all happened in the 70s i was like well the 70s weren't great right so <laughs> but in the 70s i was riding my bike right. around the neighborhood and, you know, everyone knows that i'm obsessed with it. the 90s but a lot of junk happened in the 90s too. during the 90s i said that the 90s was basically the 70s repeated you know, well that's the fashions came back a lot of things well now they're coming so. back to jenko jeans are coming back which let's not do that <laughs> Let's not. You say that. That's, I'm showing up in Jenko jeans next week. <laughs> well, hopefully it's a rain because then the water pipe, will be up to your knees. Get my pipe jeans out oh, here. So. Anyway, what I was, what, what, and correct me if I'm totally off base here, but because this is probably not even what we're talking about in this passage. Yeah, that would be part for our podcast. But when Jesus, we take communion once a month here, and and Jesus did that. As you know, because that was what his tradition was as a, as a Jewish person to take the Passover. Right. But when he did it as a new covenant, now we do that. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Right. So again, it's kind of hearkening back it's to... It's the same thing. Right. It's it, the same yeah. thing in a different sort of setting. But yeah. it's, I guess, the thought process behind that from, you know, a person doing that today and, and taking communion and thinking about... Uh, that new covenant, but also thinking about the original Passover mm -hmm. and what that represented. And so it is kind of a, I don't want to say a nod to, because that doesn't seem like enough, <laughs> but it is a sort of, well, we call it the remembrance celebration here and not just communion. It's, it's in my, at least I'm, I, when I take it, I think this way, a way of yes looking at the past and what jesus has done for me mm -hmm. and in these this situation are these people taking it be, in remembrance of what god has already done for them right. yeah and that's exactly why that's the reason that they have it that's the reason that the lord gave us this ordinance of the lord's supper communion eucharist remembered celebration is so that we can look back mm -hmm. we can remember what he did when he said do this in remembrance of me it's interesting what we make of it mm -hmm. you know because he's saying this is my body this is my blood right. and yet he's standing there in front of them right. so clearly he doesn't mean that in a literal sense right. because the guy sitting you know, there like what we can see it right, right? Uh, but he does say as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And for us doing it once a month, that's a, a relatively arbitrary uh, schedule. That's not really for this discussion, but um, 
but there should be a regularity to it. Mm-hmm. That, that's implicit in what Jesus said. Uh, some people do it every week. Some people, you know, throughout church history, it's been it's been quite varied in practice. Uh, and so there are there's a lot of gray area as far as the actual practice of it. But what the purpose of this communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, remembrance, celebration is, is the connection be, and, and very specific connection with the Passover. Jesus said it himself. So it's, that's not a spurious thing that preachers made up later. This is what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Here is the old covenant. Here's now a new covenant written in my blood. So now as as he does this, <clears throat> he's saying you you need, it's not, you know, maybe you should. There's This is what we are to do as Christ followers. We are to do this and remember what he did so that we can celebrate what he is doing has done, will do for us. Mm-hmm. So we're not serving some dead master that you know that lived and died, was a good teacher, and we look back and, and we make a shrine to him. We serve a risen Savior. And so while we celebrate his death on our behalf in the remembrance celebration, the reason we gather for worship on Sundays is because he rose from the dead, because he is alive. So we call it the Lord's Day and made that transition from uh, from what the Jews would celebrate and still do as the Sabbath uh, on the Saturday, we made that transition to celebrate a Sabbath-like concept of the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. And that, that happened early. Somebody just asked me about that this morning, and, and that's not something uh, that comes from the Roman Catholic Church and a distortion of things, that's many accusations. This Man, this happened in the Book of Acts. They were gathering as the church... Uh, began to include more and more Gentiles. Many of them were not in the habit already of practicing a Sabbath because that wasn't, they weren't Jewish. It wasn't part of what they did. Uh, So there's, as far as the details of how that transition took place over time, we have only a sketchy picture. Uh, So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of debate and argument based on framework, based on our, our personal preference and agenda. But the point still is, as it, as it was here in Numbers, uh, as it was in, in Acts with uh, the communion, um, is that we are remembering what God did for his people. It, in what we are specifically remembering with the remembrance celebration is that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the one who knew no sin became sin for us took my sin and your sin on the cross, and he died in our place. He lived a perfect life according to God's holy standard. Every single one of us falls short of that. Christ did not. And so he was able then to take our punishment because he had no sin of his own to die for. So he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in this exchange. And and as we celebrate what he did on the cross, that's what we're remembering. Mm-hmm. And in Romans 5, uh, and I guess we'll probably just kind of close with this, the, the Romans 5 and 8 kind of say the same thing. Uh, and this is exactly why it was necessary for the Israelites to celebrate that Passover then specifically and throughout their history so that knowing what God had done, they would know what God would do. They would know his heart, his character, his power, his ability. So in, in Romans 5, uh, verse 8, 
God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only, the, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have re reconciliation. Since we're at the end, rather than turning to Romans 8, uh, it, in Romans 8, it points out that if he was willing to give up his son for us while we're his enemies, what in the world would he hold back from us? Right. So this same God who delivered then, who gave us Christ, will deliver now and will ultimately save us from the wrath that is to come. We will close there so we don't get cut off again this week. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to leave us a message at somethingreallifeonline.org or using the Anchor app to leave a voicemail or you can leave a voicemail here at the church at 269-756-RLCC or you can leave a message on Facebook or YouTube or a comment or, you know, however you decide. All those things. All those things. Um, do you know that I learned something new about pigeons since I always used to talk about carrier pigeons? Did not. Pigeons were never meant to be wild. Did you know that? Did not. Like people brought them here and now they're all, all the pigeons are homeless. And if you bring a pigeon into your home, which I'm not recommending for anyone, but it will be a very sweet pet, but don't do it. Okay. They poop a lot. <laughs> they do poop a lot. So. And that's how we end the podcast today. <laughs> we kind of started with that. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Wow. We will catch Why you next time. Why does anybody 